Grab a Bible. You're going to need it. There's Bibles in the back. Uh, grab five or ten of those if you want and take them and give them out. We want to invite people to church. We want to share uh, our church with people and all that. We want to give people any kind of resources we can, all those things. But most importantly, we want people to have the Word of God. Uh, that matters more than anything. So I highly encourage you to keep a Bible around, keep a couple in your car or something. If you get the opportunity to give one to somebody, do that. I have plenty of them, and we'll buy plenty more. I was thinking, too, as um, Logan was reading, sometimes, depending on who reads, uh, there's different translations. Uh, so you'll be looking at the screen, and you'll see ESV, because that's what's back here, and that's what we use. That's what I prefer. Uh, but there's other translations, and that's actually a good thing. I'm okay with that, because it's a reminder that it's not written in English. It's written in Greek. It's written in Hebrew, depending on the text. And so if you really want to know Spanish, Duolingo could help you. It's helping me. But I'm learning Spain Spanish. And Mexican Spanish is a little different. And Guatemalan Spanish is a little different. And Honduran Spanish is different. And you all know this for those of you who come from the cultures of those languages. But you can generally understand what is meant uh, by certain words. So, anyway, when you look at a Bible, there are different translations. It does not mean that they, nobody knows what they mean because they all have different words. That's not the case. They meant something in the language that they were written in. It's just a matter of understanding based on the words we use now what that author intended. The best way, so what would be the best way to know 100% if you're in doubt? Learn Greek. Learn Hebrew. You can do that. You don't have to do that. But if it's really bothering you, that one word said this and the other word said that, then go learn Greek and get it sorted out if it's really eating you up. All right? I don't think it is. I think our people are pretty much cool with all that. But just so you know, uh, that's one reason why I actually enjoy the fact that sometimes that Bible reading looks a little different than it is on the screen. So grab a Bible. Go to, um, go, uh, to Romans. It is the um, fifth book. In the New Testament, so it's going to be on the shallow side of your Bible. Uh, not shallow is a poor choice of words. Nothing shallow about it whatsoever, especially Romans. Uh, but I'm saying you're getting to the shallow side. We're finishing up, if you're looking at it that way, towards the back, I guess you could say, of your Bible. And you're going to come to Romans. Sixth book, staying corrected, my fault, and I tried to skip Acts. So... Um, and we're going to be in Romans chapter 12 for just a little bit. Um, we did this whole story of God for like a year and a half or a little, a little over that. And we took the Bible and we went from literally cover to cover. Uh, not every word, but obviously we followed the story of God all the way through. But now we finished that. And so now we're kind of leaning into this holiday season and we're looking at this theme of worship. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So if you're in Romans chapter 12, that's going to be our focus is the idea of worship. And I asked this last week, I'll ask it again, you know, what, what is worship? And, and, and I'm not asking you to define the word. That's what we all want to do. We want to race to pull the word apart and define what it means. I'm not talking about defining the word. Uh, I'm talking about defining the action. I'm talking about defining the action. What does it mean for you to worship? What does that mean for you to worship? Like when... Somebody says you worship or you should worship or you are worshiping. What does that mean? Um, are you just doing church? 
or are you actually worshiping God? And it's easy for us to get that mixed up. I'll give you a good example. Some of you may know this song. Most of you probably don't, but some might. Uh, country artist Craig Morgan wrote this song. It was really popular uh, maybe a couple decades ago. But it's called That's What I Love About Sunday, if you've heard it. And so the lyrics say this. I'm not reading every word of them, but a handful. Say, Raymond's in his Sunday best. He's usually up to his chest in oil and grease. There's the Martins walking in with that mean freckle-faced kid who broke a window last week. Sweet Miss Betty likes to sing off-key in the pew behind me. That's what I love about Sunday. Sing along as the choir sways, every verse of amazing grace. And then we shake the preacher's hand. Go home into your blue jeans. Have some chicken and some baked beans. Pick a backyard football team. Not do much of anything. That's what I love about Sunday. Keeps going. He says, cat napping on the porch swing. You curled up next to me, the smell of jasmine wakes us up. Take a walk down a back road, tackle box in a cane pole, carve our names in that white oak, and steal a kiss as the sun fades. That's what I love about Sunday. In the last little line, he says, new believers getting baptized. Mama's hands raised up high, having a hallelujah good time. A smile on everybody's face. That's what I love about Sunday. Now, I like the song. And I'm ratting myself out. I like all kinds of music. Last week, I gave you the lyrics to Disciple. That, that was my thing last week, a uh, uh, Christian like metal band. So I'm, I'm all over the map. So, But I like the song here that I just read to you. And if you've heard it, you know it. But the question I'm saying is, it, are, is that what we should love about Sunday? Like, I mean, the new believers getting baptized for sure. Like, that's awesome. We had that happen a few weeks back. Uh, that's, that's a great thing. But what he's talking about is like nostalgia. Even like Christian nostalgia, it sounds wonderful. It's like this experience of like if you grew up in church. But if you didn't grow up in church, the song really doesn't mean a lot to you anyway. But if you grew up in church, it's like this nostalgia idea. But what is Sunday for? Sunday's for worship, man. Like that's what it's for. And I'm not trying to break Sundays down because we should be worshiping all week. Sunday's for corporate worship. Like we're coming together to do this thing together. But the worship is the point I'm coming to. I'm not arguing about Sunday. I'm arguing about worship. So what does it take to make that happen? That's what we've been talking about, whether it's Sunday or whenever. What does it take to make worship happen? Well, last week we talked about seeing, like talked about the blind man whose eyes were opened and from birth, and he saw Jesus and he worshiped him. Today, a little different, talking about sacrifice. Most people consider sacrifice, and we all do it if we're not careful, something for gaining God's approval or gaining God's blessing. Like, I am willing to give this up, or I'm willing to lay this down, or God, do you know what I gave up, or do you know what I laid down? And we, we kind of have this idea that God's going to reward that in some way, and, and maybe he will, but that's not what it is. A sacrifice is for offering, not bargaining. You know what I'm saying? A sacrifice is something to offer, not bargain with. And we, we're all guilty of it at times, whether we say it or not. But what if sacrifice, think about it this way. What if sacrifice was less about what God needs and more about what God knows you don't need? You know what I'm saying? What if it was less about what he needs and more about what God knows you don't need? I... uh some verses that I love, I don't, they're not up here, I'm just saying really quickly. God pointed out in Psalm 5010 a, a phrase that's been abused quite a bit. He said, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. 
that's been used in a lot of places to argue for God being able to bless you with your cattle from a thousand hills. But that's not at all what that's talking about. What he's talking about is I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I don't need anything from you. That's what it literally says. Look it up in Psalm 50. He says, if I had a need, I would not ask you. I own everything. That, that's the point. He already owns it. So your sacrifice is not providing him some need he didn't have. You know, you can't see it that way. And David, I love, said in First Chronicles 21, David said, I won't sacrifice what costs me nothing. It will not because somebody offered to donate something to him because he was the king. And he said, no, this needs to cost me. I will not sacrifice what costs me nothing. Paul said in Philippians, I count all as loss in Philippians 3. Everything, all my accomplishments, everything I've done, it's lost for knowing Christ. Like, I don't care about any of it. It matters, but it doesn't have any weight. It doesn't have any value, you know, for knowing Christ. So here's your one sentence. We're only looking at two verses, so this won't take long. But here's your one sentence. I always give you an idea that's kind of like a, a light post um, to guide the way through this text and keep a, keep a general thought in mind. Not scripture, just Dave. Being truly thankful to God compels us to worship by giving him our lives. By giving him our lives as he transforms us to display Christ through that move. So look at verse 1. Romans 12, verse 1. He says... I appeal to you. It's a good word. He didn't say I demand from you. I command you. You must. He didn't say all that. This is a, a comforting word. The word appeal there is like a like a, a counseling word. It's not I'm begging you, but it's like I, 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 I'm hugging on you, man. I need you to see this. I need you to see how big a deal this is. That, that, that's what he means. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers... So brothers, when he says brothers, what does that mean? Talking to believers, right? He's talking to believers. By the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. A sacrifice has to be offered. Offered. That's why he's not commanding. That's why he's saying I appeal to you to do this. He can't, he can't demand you do it. It's an offering. So he's saying I'm appealing to you. Trust me. This is a good thing. Like offer Offer yourself, and he says, holy and acceptable to God, excuse me, which is your spiritual worship. Um, this is not a situation where you come to the service, and Deidre is on her game, and Connolly is on her game, and we got a whole band on the stage, and the lights are down, and we're all like, man, that's so powerful, and we're moved, and people are crying, and all that stuff, and then we're just worshiping, and we say, God, you can have my life. You can have everything. You can have it all. This is not that. It starts with the sacrifice. Cold. Cold stop. Give him your life. That's, that's first. You offer the sacrifice first as an act of worship, whether you feel it or not, whether there's an ROI. We all know what ROI is, right? Return on investment. What do I get for giving you my sacrifice, God? Uh, none of that. He just says, I appeal to you, by the mercies of God, offer yourself as a living sacrifice. That word is actually present yourself there. It also translates yield. What does yield mean? Think about it that way. Like, let go. 
Like, let go. Present is I place it in your hand or I place it before you. Yield implies that, yes, you're doing that, but you also are trying to hold it. Like, let it go. Present it up there. Let it go. Put it there. Surrender your bodies to God in worship. Why? As believers, your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. First Corinthians 6 says, Paul already said that. Your body's the, so the Holy Spirit's already there. So is this a literal thing or a physical thing? Is he talking, is he talking literally present your bodies or is he talking like figuratively, spiritually? Well, it's most definitely literal because what does he say present? Present your bodies. He didn't say present yourself. We could wrestle around that. He says present your, your, your bodies. If you're a believer, remember he's talking to brothers. Now, if you're not a believer, we'll get there. But if you're a believer, if your faith is in Christ, then Christ is already in your heart. That's a done deal. And he ain't coming out. So that's sealed. That's done. And what he's saying is now you need to present your body to him. You need to give him your body. Let your body belong to him as well. So does that mean, oh, I got to go die? Does that mean I got to be a martyr? Does that mean I have to immediately die? No, he said present a living sacrifice. It's better for him that you live. He can make amazing things happen through your death. But he can make amazing things happen through your life too. So is Paul lived exactly as long as God wanted him to live. And Paul died a martyr's death, but Paul did a whole lot. In a short period of time, you know what I mean? Present yourself a living sacrifice. You present yourself for God and you say, God, you can use me however you want. God will go wherever you want. God, David Wiley is dead. There's no more David Wiley. I, I lay him on the altar. You can do whatever you want with this body and this life, this mouth, these ears, these eyes, these feet, these hands. You can do anything you want. And if you want to kill them. If you want to allow martyrdom, whatever you want to look at it, however you want to look at it, if you want to allow that to happen, it's in your hands. And I'm not, again, I'm not promoting or condemning anything. I'm making observation here. But we had a guy here in Phoenix two weeks ago shot in the head, preaching on the curb with two kids and a wife. He shouldn't have been out there preaching. or he should. What was he saying? I don't care about none of that. I'm not talking about that. Regardless of his approach or what he was doing, he's preaching, he's, he's talking the word of God and he's shot in the head. Uh, so I, I'm telling you, it may be that that's what he does. It may be that he calls you to that. I don't know. I, I, but I'm saying, you're telling him, here's a blank check, my life. Write whatever you want on it. Here's a blank canvas, my life. Paint it the way you want to paint it. Make it look like you want to look. And here's a key if you get nothing else out of what I say. Hear this right now. Sacrifices don't climb off the altar. When you took a sacrifice and it laid on that altar, it's burned up. It's gone. It, it does not get up and go, well, this is really uncomfortable now. You didn't tell me there was going to be fire. You know, you didn't tell me all that. I mean, it's, 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 it's gone. It's gone. So, again, is God asking you to burn up? Is God asking you to? Well, yes and no. He's asking you to, but he's asking you to be a living sacrifice. So he's wanting to use you alive, but he's, you don't crawl off. You don't say, okay, God, well, we tried that for a while, but now this is not so much fun anymore. Or, 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 or now I lost this, or now I lost that, or how are we going to do this, or how are we going to do that, and this don't work, and I'm not happy with this, so we're going to, we, you know, i got to do it my way for a while. That's, that's climbing off the altar. 
But it's also spiritual because he says it's an act of spiritual worship. Spiritual because sacrifices only please God. If it's an expression of your heart worshiping him. A sacrifice only pleases God if your heart is expressing worship for him and doing it. You know, he says the mercies of God, by the mercies of God. Well, this is kind of a cool little hinge point. He didn't just say out of the cold blue. He says that you offer, you present yourself a living sacrifice by the mercies of God. So what does he mean? Well, Paul had listed a lot of things through Romans. We're in, you know, chapter 12. If you go back through the last 11 chapters, Paul presented a lot of things that he would call the mercies of God. And we could go back and list them, look at them, but we don't have to because we can list them. What would be a mercy of God? Grace is number one on the list for this ex-drug addict. So I'll start right there. Like that one is always on the top of my list. Grace. Because I know what I came from. And I know there's zero reason I should be standing up here preaching or even alive. So I'm going to go with grace first. But we could go, we could go down the list. What else? You could speak. What else? It's a mercy of God. Y'all didn't know that this is not just preaching. Like, we're, we're in this together. We're still a small group. Love. That's the mercy of God. Why does God love you? You ever ask that question? Love is a mercy of God. What else? Forgiveness, dude. Let's go, bro. Forgiveness is a mercy of God. He didn't have to do it. It's mercy. And go down the list, do you? If you sit there and you think about it, you can list all kinds of things. I know not everybody wants to speak out loud. I mean, but look, you're breathing oxygen today just like you did yesterday. That's a mercy of God. He could take that away, you know? I mean, any number of the sun is out. Like, that's a mercy of God. We need the sun. I know in the valley of the sun, it's here all the time. But you've got to have it. Like, we don't, humanity does not exist without a sun because life doesn't really exist without a sun. You've you got to have it. Like, think about all the things that he, by mercy, allows to be. doesn't have to. What, are you going to stand up and tell him, hey, that wasn't fair? Or, hey, you shouldn't have, you know, I wouldn't have done that. Why would you do that? No, it's, it's mercy. That all, I mean, you can go down the straight down the list. If you got people in your life that are struggling and you see God answering prayer or moving, that's mercy. It doesn't have to answer. It's mercy. So if you truly experience the mercies, and Paul said plural, mercies of God, if you truly experience that and, and, and how hopelessly we need them, like hopelessly need them. You become aware of that and you experience those mercies, then nothing really seems adequate enough to say thank you. What are you going to give him in response? What are you going to do in response to those mercies to say thank you, God? Thank you, God. That's what Paul's saying, like, by the mercies of God, give yourself. Like, what else can you give? Like, the best thing you could possibly give is everything, and it's still not enough. Please take this. 
please take this. Please take this. Not because of a ROI, like I need to get this back, but because what you already have done, like yesterday and today, and you do it all the time. But there's more to it. In the Old Testament, which is what he's painting the picture of, the sacrifices, you would have to bring a sacrifice. But could you just bring anything you want? No. You had to bring a specific kind of sacrifice. And in what condition? Yeah, perfect. Spotless. Like you were supposed to inspect whatever animal you were bringing to make sure that it was spotless, without blemish. Uh, That it was not, it was mainly because you're giving the best here. Like you're giving up the best one you got. You know, and so you had to bring spotless. Remember, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I don't need your best of. You need to let go of your best of. That's what the whole thing is about. You need to let go of your best of. Well, verse 2. Excuse me. Our conditions for offering ourselves. Verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing... You may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Those are adjectives describing the will of God. Good, acceptable, perfect things. This one sentence, man, if you look at it, English, Greek, the original Greek or even in English, you can see that there's this mix of taking and accepting. Taking actions, something you're doing, and accepting actions. For instance, do not. That's your action. Do not. Be conformed. That's an action of the world that happens to you. All right? And then it it goes on. Be transformed. Be is your action. Transformed is the action of God or the Holy Spirit to transform you. But you be that way. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That's both. You are actively involved in that and God is doing it. So it's two things. And then be by testing. That's your action. You test. You may discern. That is God. God gives you the gift of discernment. You use it to discern the will of God. That's the action God desires to do. This one little sentence is just back and forth with this relationship between what God's doing and what you're doing and and how those things interact. Being conformed. I don't have to break that down a whole lot. We all know what that means. But what the image that comes to my mind, because I've just come out of. Uh, a holiday when there's a whole bunch of food is cookies and you get the cookie cutter right you take dough and you can make with a cookie cutter that dough look like anything you want it to look like it can look like if it's halloween it can look like bats you know or whatever if it's uh thanksgiving you can make little turkeys or whatever i don't know whatever you want to do like you you take that and you take the same exact dough and you can conform it to look all the same However you want it to look. And what Paul is saying is that's what the world is doing and attempting to do to believers. The world being everybody who's not a believer in general. The system of those who are not following Christ. Which is not always a bad thing. There are good things involved in that. But a lot of it is not. And you all know this. I don't have to tell you. Do not be conformed the way that's worded suggests. It's already happening a little bit. Paul's saying, man, you guys need to wake up a little bit. How about you? I've been wrestling with this one. Is the world conforming you some way? 
somehow. Our world, I think, has never been more demanding on society to conform. Ever. And, and I know I'm 51 years old, so I know I haven't been around as long as, say, Dave and Carol and some others. But uh, in my lifetime, the the things that are, you know, and, and I coach football. I'm in high school days all week. Molly is, too. Obviously, she works there. But, like, the, the things that the world assumes you agree with is insane to me. Like, and if you don't, all of a sudden now... You're crazy. You're wrong. You're you're a mistake. You're a problem, and and so they 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 put the pressure on you. Like the, they they try to get you inside the cookie cutter and force you to look like that because you're crazy. You're the little piece that don't belong. Maybe maybe you should be swept in the trash. Like we can't conform you. I've never seen it like it is now. And again, I know I, I'm young, and I'm sure people said this 30, 40, 50, 80 years ago, but. But I am blown by it because I think the most surprising thing now is that it's all done under tolerance. Like, it's so ironic. You must conform so that you tolerate everyone. Those words pretty much contradict. But somehow to the world, they make sense. You know, somehow to the world, they, they make sense. But we shouldn't match the world. If you look like the world, you're lost. I love you. I'm not trying to be hateful. I'm just telling you. He says, be holy. Be holy. You know what? What does holy mean? You know what holy means? We like to say it means perfect. And it means, oh, it doesn't, this, doesn't mean that. I mean, it might mean that, but that's not what the word means. The word holy means set apart, different. Everything else is over here. You are over here. So if you are being holy, you should feel ostracized. And and I'm not trying to scare you or make you uncomfortable. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. That's what it means to be holy. Like you should feel that way. You should feel like the world and you are not agreeing in so many ways. I'm not saying you be hateful. I'm not saying you be mean. For God so loved the what? World that he sent his own son. You should love the the people of the world like crazy. You should want to spend time with the very people that are telling you conform. You should want to be around them. And you shouldn't be barking, yelling, screaming at their face. You should be wanting to hug their neck and say, I love you enough to tell you there's a better thing here. But you don't conform. You should still be the person that that's out here. That's what it means to be a light in the darkness. First Peter one fourteen. Peter wrote, "As obedient children, do not be conformed." Now Paul wrote Romans. This is Peter. Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. I love that. Uh, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Now he's just throwing stones. Since it's written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. So he's quoting Old Testament, and he's saying God is holy. doesn't mean be equal to God. It means what? What does holy mean? Set apart, right. So just as God is set apart, he is different from all other gods, from all anything. There's only one. He is unique. 
You should also be set apart. You should also look different. You should also stand out. And he said, in all of your conduct. Like that one's been weighing on me lately. I'll be totally transparent with you. All of your conduct, man. Like all of your conduct. What you say. What you touch. What you think about. Who you hang out with. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying, I just told you, you need to be in the world. I'm not saying that. But you know what I'm saying. Like who you're hanging out with for whatever it is you're doing. All of your conduct. Like everything. Everything that you carry your body into. Like that's, that's heavy stuff. And that word transformed is a Greek word that means, same word we get the word metamorphosis from. What's metamorphosis? That's something that is transformed from the inside out. So it begins inside, and it starts to change to the outside. It, it's definitely something that's visible because it's like the Incredible Hulk. You know what I'm saying? And you know who that is. I figure everybody knows the Hulk. So David Banner is David Banner, but inside him is this Hulk that comes out. You know what I mean? He's in there. That's not something different that happens to him. It's in there, but he comes out. Now, I'm not saying that we as the church need to start, like, smashing. That's not what what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is the Hulk was a very visible transformation. Know what I'm saying? Same dude, but seeing the guy over here and the Hulk over here, it was a very visibly different thing that you were seeing. You know what I mean? And in the same way, that's what he's talking about here. It's a, it's a metamorphosis. The Holy Spirit is within you, and he transforms us into something else. Not a monster, but something else. Christ. He's not asking, he's not saying either, be transformed from your past. This is not about, well, if you knew who I used to be, I could say that. Most of you in the room could probably say that. If you knew who I used to be, you'd know how different I look now. You'd know how different I am now. I'm so much, I'm transformed from who I used to be. That's not what he's talking about. He's saying transformed from the world. How different do you look from the world right now? I care what he's changed in your life, but he's talking about now. How different do you look now? Or are you being conformed to look just like the rest of them? Do you enjoy the same things the world enjoys? Do you enjoy the same experiences? Do you enjoy the same humor? Do you enjoy the same talk? Do you enjoy the same circles? Do you enjoy the same movies? I know I'm all below the belt because I'm, I'm in this too. Okay, I'm, I'm, I may have a microphone, but I, I, I get in the same word and get convicted by the same stuff. But I got to tell you what it says. I tell me what it says. You know what I mean? That, that's where he's coming from. Look at, or you don't have to turn to it, but Galatians six fourteen, almost done here. Galatians six fourteen. Far be it from me, Paul said, to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which... I love this line. The world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Crucified to me and I to the world. Paul is saying I died on that cross to the world. 
Not meaning the people in the world I don't care about. Meaning the system that the world promotes, produces, encourages, get rich, get all you can have, be successful, make everybody like you, be popular, be powerful, get your retirement set. Oh, he's saying all of that, man. I'm, I'm dead. I'm the dead to all of it. All died on the cross. Education. Paul had education like you can't imagine. Dead. It's on the cross. I don't, I don't, it's dead to me. And I'm dead to it. That's the flip of it. The world doesn't care about me either, Paul said. And it didn't. They chopped his head off. Ultimately. You know, they chopped his head off. One author, John Stott, was a fantastic author, wrote this. He said, it's when we believe in Jesus Christ that our values change. We no longer conform to the world's values, but instead we find that we're being transformed by our renewed mind, which grasps and approves the will of God. And nothing wins us from the world more than the cross of Jesus. It's through the cross that the world is truly crucified to us and us to the world. And in doing so, we are free. Renew, renewing of the mind here, he said, that's the key to transformation. The text actually says this, be being transformed. Be being transformed. So it's an act of God to transform you, but you put yourself in a place to be transformed. Be being transformed by the Holy Spirit, by the constant, tells you how. By the constant renewing of your mind, making your mind new. Colossians 3, 9, Paul wrote, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, like your lifestyle has changed. You put all that off and have put on a new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So it doesn't just say you're being made to look like Jesus because he had brown eyes and he was a Jew. Is saying that you are being made to look like Jesus in the knowledge of your mind. You're being equipped in your mind to speak like him. To have a, a, a heart. Mind means heart too. It's the same thing. Mind and heart. A desire for the things that he desires and a love for the things that he loves. Those things are, are occurring through your, your relationship with him. Specifically with your brain and his word. Psalm 119.11. I could give you a million, but this is the easiest quick one. Stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I love that verse. You want to stop sinning? Here's a math problem. You want to stop sinning? Memorize his word. That's as black and white as it can possibly be. Is there some sin in your life you're struggling with? Uh, well, how are you, you, hard time trying to quit doing it. Hard time, time trying to get away from it. Quit trying to get away from it and start memorizing his word. What do I memorize? Well, what, whatever you want. Find something you enjoy. Memorize that. What if it doesn't relate to what my sin is? That's not what that says. It just says you are storing his, treasuring his word. When you start doing that, those things start to change and you start to be transformed into the image of Christ and the conforming of the world starts to have no power over you whatsoever anymore. One author said, as one mind keeps on being made new, as one's mind keeps on being made new by the spirit of God's and prayer. In Christian fellowship, that person's lifestyle keeps 
continually being transformed. So it becomes a lifestyle. Again, that's why it's a living sacrifice, Romans 8, 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to, de- put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. He's saying the Spirit puts to death what you, your selfish worldly desires, and in doing so, you live, living sacrifice, Galatians five sixteen. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You're wrestling, you're battling, walk by the Spirit. Joseph Son, who wrote an amazing book on martyrs, he's the only person who's ever done a whole entire um, cover-to-cover study of the Bible and just martyred him. He was a... Uh, Romanian missionary and he said this it's total submission to a higher authority the total surrender of self-rule and it entails ceasing to live for oneself and living solely for him and this is what I like he says and obedience to rules has no value if self is not surrendered first you hear what he's saying there man that's that's good Obedience to rules has no value if self is not surrendered first. doesn't matter how perfectly you keep the Ten Commandments or try to obey God's law or try to do the right thing or try to do the good thing. If you have not surrendered yourself, they have no value to God at all. But here's, the, here's where we'll wrap this up. Because the evidence of our depravity <laughs> comes in how easily we start to worship the sacrifices. Man, do you see how big, how much he gave? Man, do you see how much she did? Do you see what she did? She spent all day over there with the homeless. Do you know what she did? She sold her house and did, did, did. You know what he did? He did. And before long, we're worshiping the person and the sacrifice, or even ourself. Man, you know, we're going to take a big hit on this one, but you know what? For God be the glory, you know, whatever. Not No stones. I'm just saying. We, we, we get in this place where we forget his worship of God. Joey and I, uh, my friend in town, we went to... Um, the ASU game yesterday. Have mercy. Uh, and um, But I always liked that game in particular, so I try to go to that one when I can. And uh, it was no surprise. Knew it was coming. But right in front of us were, were a couple of people wearing jerseys, uh, Pat Tillman jerseys. And if you know anything about ASU sports in particular, you know who Pat Tillman is. If you're a military person, you know who Pat Tillman is. If you're an NFL person, you know who Pat Tillman is. Uh, but particularly in Arizona at Arizona State, he's a very, very uh, big name. And you can Google him. I'm not going to give you his whole story. But the long and short of it is he was an ASU graduate that played football here and then um, – Played in the NFL as well. Turned down a multi-million dollar contract in 9-11 to go enlist and fight uh, in Iraq and Afghanistan. He was killed by friendly fire in Afghanistan. Uh, and then really just made a hero in a lot of ways for good reason. I'm, I'm not taking anything from him. Um, but the NFL honored him. They still, some parts of the NFL, they still honor him. There are... Uh, as these guys I mentioned in front of us, but if you go to ASU, there's statues, there's jerseys, there's his names everywhere. He's, he's a huge deal here. Uh, people love him, and they should. Uh, he's got a donate, uh, organization you can donate to. There's, there's all these things that are good that's come from his sacrifice that really gains praise all the time. And I was just looking at those jerseys in front of me, and I was thinking, like, knowing that this was the topic this week, like, where is... Christ's 
I'm not sounding funny here, but where's his jersey? Like, what are we wearing to honor and worship him? I'm not saying worshiping Pat Tillman. I'm just saying, like, what did God sacrifice? Talking about our sacrifice, what did he sacrifice? Well, this, yeah, come on. His son, himself even. I got a daughter. I got a granddaughter now. Y'all can't have her. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that guy. I'm not holy enough, man. You can't have her. You sure can't torture her and nail her to a cross. I will go down. I will kill you. I will rip you to shreds before I let that happen. I'm being honest with you. The creator of everything did that willingly. Like said, may I suggest. Why? Because this freaking loser right here would rather sin than accept paradise. I would rather be part of this freaking conform, be conformed to this world than follow somebody who loves me that much. I'm going to tell you right now, if you recognize that kind of sacrifice, the mercies of God, man, the rest just becomes so easy. Please take my life. Please do something meaningful with this, the body and all, whatever it is you want. You got to stand up with me. We're going to park it right there. You got to stand up and... uh Ladies are going to come back and do another song, and we're, and we're going to sing. And um, look, I, it's important that you take a few minutes to process what we've been talking about, what the Word has said, okay? Close your eyes with me. I'm going to pray for us. Um, but I want you to seriously to take a few minutes and, and just, I mean, we're, all, we're one more song and we'll be done with this thing. But um, use the opportunity to worship. Take a minute. You can sing if you want, or you can close your eyes, or you can come up here and talk to me. I'll be on the front row, but you can turn around, take a knee in your seat if you want. I don't care what you do. You can walk in the back of the room. But just take a minute to process his word and to worship him however you want to. And listen, if you have not accepted his sacrifice, you you can't offer him anything until you do that. And that is my most sincere prayer. I mean it, that today you would do that. Today you would recognize that, man, I need you. And tell him, there's no fancy words. It doesn't need to be. Because your heart's already making that decision. You just know who you are. You know who he is. And you tell him that, hey, this life is yours. Lord, this life is yours. Father, you are amazing and incredible. Thank you again for the privilege and mercy of grace. I pray today that you're glorified by our worship and that you accept our sacrifice and use us to glorify your name. In Christ's name, amen.